this morning we're looking at a passage in scripture which I'm sure that you probably all know. And that's the road to Emmaus, these two disciples who are walking to the road to Emmaus. And uh, as I've been preparing this talk, you know, I realised there is so much truth in this thing. There's so much that we can take out of it ourselves, so much that we can learn from the scripture. You know, sometimes when we read passages that we know well, we just read it and we don't absorb it and we don't look at it. And, and this morning, what I want us to do is to really look at this passage and see what it means to us. Um, and so we go from there. You know, last Sunday, it's a joyous occasion, wasn't it? Because we celebrated Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. But you know, I'm going back to Jesus' time right now. These, these two disciples were going on the road to Emmaus with hearts full of disappointment, hearts full of pain. Because they had wrong thinking about Jesus. Now I need to go back um, to I need to go back and just explain some of the background so that we know where they're coming from. So the people of Israel, as you know, were looking for a saviour, a leader that would take them out of the clutches of Rome. And uh, they were an occupying force. Now, we know from Jersey that we've been occupied at one stage. And I don't know if there's anybody here who was at that time, but it wouldn't have been a pleasant time to be occupied by a force that you don't want, that they bring in laws that you don't want. They bring in all kinds of things that you don't want, but that's the way that it is. So Israel wanted its freedom. And they remember the time when Moses freed the people from Egypt and took them to the promised land. So they were looking for a similar figure. And they knew a Messiah would come because they read it in the scriptures. They knew their scriptures. But they pictured him as a warrior that would crush their enemies. So along comes Jesus, born in a small town as we know his ministry on earth as we also know was very short only three years but in that time he had a major impact healing the sick and talking about the kingdom of God like no other person had previously done he attracted loads of people who hung onto his every word and they began to think This is the Messiah. This is the man who is going to free us from the Roman occupiers and set us free. Their thinking was that Jesus was a prophet like Moses, a conquering prophet. And hence on Palm Sunday, which we um, looked at a couple of weeks ago, which we celebrated, the cry from the people was Hosanna and blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord because the people believe that Jesus was a prophet who had come to rescue them from the tyranny of Rome. They were expecting a conquering lion to finally set them free 
But what they got was the gentle lamb of God. Little did they realize that he had indeed come to set them free, but not from Rome, but from their sin. And as we know, love can very quickly turn to hate. And once the people realized that Jesus wasn't going to free them from Rome's grip, as they anticipated, and feelings whipped up by the Jewish leaders and priests, their praises turned to hatred. And in less than one week, Jesus, the precious Lamb of God, without blemish, without sin, innocent of any crime, was handed over to the Roman authorities to be crucified on a cross, the most cruel and barbaric death imaginable. However, as we know, the good news is that on the third day, Jesus rose again from the dead. And we celebrate that death has no hold on him and that he is alive and working in our lives today. His resurrection reminds us that there is always hope and that nothing, nothing is impossible with God. The resurrection of Jesus is the very foundation of our Christian faith. So now you know the background and the expectations of the Jewish people, we can more easily relate to the story of these two disciples, downcast and sad, walking to a small village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. So we're going to pick up the story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, verses 13 to 27. If you want to look it up in your pew Bibles, and I would, if you have got pew bars, we'll ask you to use them. It's on page 1435, but it'll also be on the screen. So I'm going to read this passage. Now behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one who was, the name was Cleopas, answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they'd also seen a vision of angels who said, to, said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. An amazing passage. So little is known about these two disciples. 
We know that one was called Cleopas, but we have no clue what the other one was called. We also know that the disciples of Jesus, that, that they were disciples of Jesus, but they were not part of the original 12. Maybe they've been following Jesus for a year, maybe two or longer. That is not conveyed. But like all the disciples of that time, it's highly probable that they'd given up everything to follow him. And what we do know as they walk along this road is that they are sad and downcast. They're moving away from Jerusalem on the road to Emmaus. Now again, we don't know, but perhaps Emmaus was their home village. And after all that had happened in Jerusalem, they had decided to return home. As they journeyed, they were deep in conversation with one another, discussing all the things they had experienced. Suddenly, a man draws alongside them. Now, from their perspective, a stranger, they did not realize that the person who had sidled up to them was Jesus. It says in the passage they were kept from recognizing him. Certainly, the last person they expected to see was Jesus because they believed he was dead. So this brings up an important point in this passage which I want to highlight to you this morning and for us to understand. Jesus draws alongside of of them. And I want you to know this morning that God comes alongside us. God is looking for us. You do not need to search for God because he is actively searching for you. Jesus did not need to come alongside these these two men. He could have quite easily left them in their wrong thinking and their beliefs, thinking they are not worth the effort. But he didn't. And he doesn't with us. Every one of us is important to him. And we need to recognize that this morning. In the New Testament, it says, the Son of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In other words, he is looking for those who do not know him, who have strayed, who have wrong thinking, like these two had. Jesus is the good shepherd that actively goes out of his way to find those that are lost. Maybe there are one or two people in this church this morning who are lost in one way or another. Know this with certainty. Jesus is looking for you and he wants to draw closer to you and alongside you and speak into your life and have a relationship with you. Now, when I read the Bible, I always, always have questions. And I want to know, why did God allow this? Why did God do this? Why did God say this? Etc., etc. And the same with Jesus. Why did he do this? Why did he say this? I think it's good to have questions, to be honest, because we learn from it. But this Bible passage is no different. My question is this, in this passage, why did God restrain their eyes so they didn't recognize Jesus? And why did Jesus not reveal himself to these two disciples straight away? You know, these two disciples were very, very sad. They had just witnessed the death of a person close to them, and they had great hopes for what they thought he was going to do. And Jesus could have turned their sorrow into rejoicing straight away. 
But he didn't. Why? Well, the truth is, like so many wise in the Bible, we do not know. But this is my thoughts. Jesus wanted them to be honest with him. Have you realised that sometimes when you speak to somebody that you know very well, you couch your language in a particular way. You tell them in a roundabout way what's on your mind, but it might not always be the true feelings. They might ask you, are you okay? And you say, yeah, I'm fine. But in reality, you're not. We do that. It's just natural. In other words, we are not always completely honest. But if we're talking to a complete stranger, we might open up more because we don't know them and we think, well, we're never going to see them again, so what does it matter? The second reason, and maybe the most important reason, is that Jesus wanted them to recognise him not by sight, but by his word. He wanted the written words of scriptures to speak to them and open their eyes and their hearts to the truth that this man Jesus, that they had put all their faith in, had to die, but that he would come to life again. What does the Bible say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not by sight. It's by immersing ourselves in the word of God and believing in our hearts that what is written is true. There are many people who will say, if only I could see God, I would believe. Or if God gave me a sign, I would believe. You know, Thomas the disciple was like this. Although his fellow disciples had shared with him that they had seen the risen Christ, he wouldn't believe unless he saw him in person. He saw the nails in his hands and he could put his hands in his side. You know, the trouble with faith like that, if we have faith like that, as soon as you come across a problem or you're suffering hardship, you would always be looking for a sign. You'd always be looking for a sign from God and your faith would be shallow and not strong. So we need to be people of the word. We need to get, be people who look in the word all the time and that, that's where our faith comes from. So as Jesus draws near these two disciples, he asks them what they are talking about, as if he didn't know already. And because they thought he was a stranger, they opened up honestly to him and revealed their true thoughts and feelings. So Cleopas says to Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things what has happened in these days? Then Jesus asks them another question, what things? Well, a stupid question, isn't it, really? Because he was at the centre of it. He was the one being crucified. He was the one raised from the dead. And they say, what things? But he was trying to get from them what they were talking about, what their, what their problem was. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, beside all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, 
and certain women of our company arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Now the first thing we should recognise with this passage is that they are talking in the past tense. In other words, Jesus is dead. He's not alive, he's dead. And they believed all their hopes were over. But you see, they had put all their hopes in Jesus. They had put all their hopes in him, believing that he was the Messiah, that he was going to come and save Israel. But they witnessed him on the cross. They witnessed him being crucified. They witnessed him being taken down dead and they witnessed him being put into the tomb as far as they were concerned it was over so what did they do they decided to leave Jerusalem where they were meant to be and they decided to go home to Emmaus but Jesus you know knows the problem He knows that what he's been talking about over the last three years, they haven't grasped. They haven't understood. So what does he do? He gives them a Bible lesson like no other. He begins with Moses and all the prophets and opens up the word of God concerning himself. Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't you just love to have been there? Jesus, who had been on earth since the beginning of time, who knows absolutely everything, would have been there with Moses and all the prophets and everything. He would have known everything. And he opens up the scriptures to them and to us. And he opened up the scriptures to them in such a way that their hearts were burning. Have your hearts ever burnt when you've opened up the scriptures? Mine have. I hope yours have as well. They should. You see, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we are wedded to him. In Ephesians, it talks about the bride of Christ, his church. Well, we are the church. So that means we individually are wedded to him. See, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, there's a real passion, isn't there? Nothing else matters except him. That's my experience anyway. There's a burning desire to be with him every moment of every day. And he's constantly in our thoughts and in our hearts. And it's suddenly like we are alive. You know, you never feel so alive as when you first accept Jesus into your heart. And everything becomes clear. It's like a mist has been taken away from you. A cloud of despondency goes from you straight away. And you have hope for the future. You know, I remember so well when my lovely wife gave her life to the Lord. There was such a transformation. She didn't walk anywhere. She danced and skipped. She was constantly singing praise songs. She was always laughing and her face radiated the love that she had found in Jesus. And I remember, I wasn't a Christian then. She became a Christian before me. 
But I remember thinking so clearly, I want whatever she's on because she was so, so happy, you know? And we should be like that. I mean, people should see us like that in real life, that people think, I want to be what they're, I want to be like them because they're so happy. That what's, there's something in their lives which is, is making them so happy. But you know, over time, that initial passion quietens down. But it should develop into a much, much deeper love as we share our lives with him. As we talk and read his word and come to a realisation that however much we love him, he loves us more. And that's the truth. He loves us more. It doesn't matter how much we love him. He loves us more. So it's sad, you know, if we let that first love that we had for Jesus go cold. If we stop reading his word and come before him each day sharing our lives with him. You know, that's what God wants. He wants us to, he knows all about us anyway. He knows everything about us. But he loves us to verbalise it. He loves us to come before him and share our thoughts and our, our concerns and our, our innermost feelings. Just like those disciples opened up to him what was truly on their mind, Jesus wants that with us. Not to put a mask on our face and, and hide things, but to be honest with him, just to come before him and say, Look, Lord, this is what I'm suffering with. This is what my concerns are. This is my heart's desire. He longs for us to come into his presence and to tell him what's on our minds and heart. You know, Jesus, as I said, Jesus knew everything that was going on in these, these disciples' minds. But he wanted them to verbalise it and to be honest with him. And he loves it when we are the same. Jesus is a good shepherd. If you are like these two disciples walking away from him, from where you are meant to be, Jesus wants to draw alongside you this morning and bring you back into his fold. So can I say to you this morning, don't let your love for him go cold because he is pursuing you today. The disciples, those two disciples on the road were sad and they thought their hope was gone. They were leaving Jerusalem, the place of their pain and disappointment. They had turned their backs on God and were thoroughly disillusioned walking away from where they were meant to be. Maybe that's the same for some of you here this morning. Through pain, through lost hope, through disillusionment, you have turned your back on God. If you're walking away from Jesus this morning, or for your love for him has cooled or has gone cold, I want you to know that Jesus has not lost his love for you. And he wants you, he wants to bring you back into his fold. He is the good shepherd and he is looking for you. You might have abandoned him, but I can tell you with certainty, he has not abandoned you. Can I ask you to stand? Phil alluded to it earlier. I, I believe as I was talking that there are people in this fellowship 
who may be going through a difficult time, maybe things in their lives which are not as they should be. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you are on that road to Emmaus. And Jesus wants to pull you back. He wants to bring you back. And if you feel this morning that my relationship with Jesus is not what it used to be, you just to come forward come forward right now don't be worried about anybody else what anybody else thinks just come forward because we would love to pray for you if you feel that your your heart is longing for Jesus if you feel that you need more of him Just come forward now. You know, Jesus, the Lamb of God who died for each one of us, is longing for a relationship with you. I want you to know that he died for each one of you. to set you free this morning if you have something in your life which is holding you back he wants to set you free this morning please just come forward come forward